Welcome to The Intersect. Oh. I'm your host, Michael Brunash. Joined with me is my co-host... Noah Coote. <laughs> you forgot to do the intro. Me? Yeah, you said you were... Ha- ha- okay, anyways. <laughs> welcome back to another week of The Intersect. Oh, it's been a week, alright. Yeah. Let's see. I, I My thing's been pretty minor. Let me go for I just had classes, did nothing special. I voted. I sent in my mail-in ballot on Monday. So I should, my, I will check later on by the time this podcast airs. I will see if my ballot has been approved. But I voted. So you should vote too. Now, person who's had the much more interesting week, I, I want to say, Noah. <laughs> All right, guys. So... I'm here broadcasting live from quarantine. Yep, you heard that right. But I'm going to get to that towards the end because that's a more recent thing. Let's start with what happened a little bit earlier this week. So, yeah, last week I had a mock meet for cross country. I ran quite fast and I was happy about it. But that's like kind of through and then also had stuff because... The radio station on my campus is actually the oldest radio station in the United States. It's reached its 100 years two weeks ago. And basically, since I wanted one of the directors over there, we held a bunch of events for it and held panels for the alumni. So I was interacting a lot with alumni. I had midterms happening that to take care of again. Yeah, midterms are basically endless. They happen every week here. Oh, yeah, they never end. Midterms are So, yeah, ongoing. so my week's been pretty busy. And also, I've been working the radio station, getting a whole bunch of stuff working and set up because finally I got a big clear from the school about, hey, we can get things running again because I have access to the facilities. So that's all been cool. Oh. Yeah, so a lot of work in terms of schoolwork and also my clubs because I do radio. And what also happened is that on Sunday, I actually went for an urbex type of thing with a few friends of mine. And we decide to drive to what is, what's an urbex? urban exploration. Basically okay. visiting abandoned buildings. Fun. Oh, yeah. And I did it for photography. So it was just a really cool thing to do. And you don't get, I don't get to do it that often. So it was just fun. But yeah, so I did urbex. And I went to an old tuberculosis hospital that was used in the 20th century. I think it was something like from the 19... 19- 20s to the 1960s or something it was in use whoa whoa, 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 wait Noah. in the midst of a of a global pandemic of a respiratory illness he decided to go visit a hospital that treats another respiratory illness that was opened 100 years ago no 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 an abandoned hospital so it's cool. <laughs> also, it's close to so, Halloween. Yeah, Halloween this so weekend, better. or actually, yeah, from when we're recording this weekend. It will be, this episode probably will release Monday morning, Sunday night, so it'll be like Halloween would have passed, but yeah. Yeah, you guys will listen to this in November. But yeah, so, it's been a time, and then, basically, I started this school year normally, just doing my usual things, getting busy, doing work, running, And then I got a call yesterday from the school saying, Hey, you've been in close contact with someone who just tested positive for coronavirus. So I was given an hour to pack my stuff up and go to a hotel. So I'm right now um, stuck in a hotel room for two weeks, and I cannot get out of this room as per regulation. So that's fun. I'm not going crazy. Uh, so wait, how are they, how are they feeding you? Um, they bring you a bag of food. Why you had dirt issues every day? Okay, have you had that food yet? I have had that food. How was it? It's college dining hall food. It's mediocre at best. Okay, but like NYU gave people watermelon chicken salad. Like, are they giving you actual food or? No, I had like pasta for dinner. Okay. So Union uh, College doing a lot better than NYU. Yep, for sure. But yeah, so... Who just canceled spring break. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But basically, I'm in quarantine right now. Um, This is my first day of quarantine. I think I'm already going crazy. I ran a 5K in my hotel room. Yeah, no, you send a a video and it's only like 20 seconds, right? (laughs) Imagine doing a pacer test indoors. Barefoot. 
and it's like only what 12 feet 20 feet where you can run back and forth but i did that yeah, endlessly i think i did that over a hundred times just going back and forth in my room pacing but like at a running pace and uh, yeah i managed to do five kilometers so like 3.1 miles in my room how long did that take you it took me 30 minutes 30 minutes running back and forth in your tiny actually your hotel room from the video you sent me looks pretty big but like still it's spacious for sure but like if anyone were to just sit in the room and watch me do what i was doing you're possessed they think I am crazy, which I am. You're, you're possessed. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, and in addition to that, it's just like, I don't really have much things to let my energy out right now. So, like, right now, I'm gonna, I'm kind of popping off. Um, we, we had a little conversation right before recording. Yeah. <laughs> Pencils. <laughs> Anyways, to forget the pain, we're, we're drinking, we're doing something a little different. This time, and I brought myself a little bit of apple cider to accompany me during um, quarantine. And by apple cider, I mean hard cider, of course. I, I got a white claw because I'm basic like that. You're not white. Wait. Only white people Dude. drink white claw. <laughs> it's it's available 24-7, and it tastes better than beer. Okay, yeah. Also, I'm enforcing stereotypes, so... Eh. Bad Noah. <laughs> No stereotypes. Okay, it, it, it's kind of hard. You you know, because you've been in international school with me. <laughs> international kid humor is all stereotypes. Yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, actually. All right, Um. anyways, side note. Since I'm now stuck in a hotel room, I don't have much control over my recording environment. So I don't know if you'll hear background noise on my end. But if you do, I'm sorry about that. I'm just doing my best to record what I can. So there's a chance I would not have the worst sound quality, and that kind of makes me a little bit happy, like in a weird, like, way, way. Yeah. Because I always get background sound in my place, because downtown Manhattan is impossible to get get it to be quiet. I mean, I'm now downtown Schenectady. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Living the life, downtown Schenectady in a hotel room. Oh, yeah. All right, anyways. My, mind you, this is day one. This is day one. Oh, day one. You guys will hear me next week, and I'm just going to be freaking, oh, all over the place. <laughs> so, we'll find out next week if Noah maintains his sanity. All right, all right. Because earlier we were talking about counting rice. Counting Oh, I brought a rice cooker with me. I've got to ration now all my rice for the next two weeks. <laughs> if, if I've got, like, nothing to do just to kill time, I will literally ration it grain by grain for each day. <laughs> this is like the saddest version of The Martian. Like, remember that movie? Oh, yeah, no. Actually, it was a pretty entertaining movie. Love that movie. Love the book. <laughs> Damn. Don't worry, Noah. I'll check on you. I'll make sure you don't go insane in the following two weeks. Oh, I've got so many friends messaging me and stuff. I'm like, I don't know. I've never felt so appreciated till now. <laughs> well, Noah, we deeply care about you and it's i don't know it's that's insane uh, two week quarantine yeah well I, i'll get by I, I have what i need to stay entertained you'll just probably like see chaotic noah really come up which i think people actually kind of like chaotic me gets i i start wild in to say the least chaotic you's insane chaotic you is insane it's awesome yeah it's the type of energy we need on a a wednesday night <laughs> All right, yeah, we're recording on a Wednesday. Anyways, should we get to the news? Because you know what's going on? I'm getting quarantined. And you know I'm getting quarantined? COVID-19, yo. COVID-19. We're always going to start with that. Yeah. Especially now. Like, it's it's a really well, affecting me right now. I didn't want to start with COVID this week again. But, you know, circumstances have changed. And... All right, let's go through the numbers. There are... An, there are about 9 million cases of confirmed coronavirus cases in the United States, 231,000 deaths. Every 107 seconds, one person dies in the United States from COVID-19. We are hitting the brunt of our third wave. We set record numbers last Friday and last Thursday, and it doesn't look like it's going down anytime soon. But guess what? At least I'm not part of those statistics. I am not positive. Not yet. I am just... Hopefully. Well, hopefully. I'm just 
somebody affected by contact tracing. Which, interestingly enough, the government See. calls me today and asks me all these questions about what's going on. So, at least I can tell you, in the state of New York, they're trying to get on top of things, and you get contacted about it right away. Yeah, you're taking a much better handle of it than the White House. Oh. Who, Mike Pence's chief of staff got COVID, and he's still doing campaign events. Really? Yeah. Huh. Like, like but yeah. he's working around people while being affected by it? He's going to campaign events. He's holding rallies. Oh. You can see him in, like, Georgia, Atlanta, holding r- r- Trump rallies. Well. And they are not the m- most logistically well-run thing. Like, they left hundreds of their supporters stranded in 20-degree weather, like, four days ago. Did they? <laughs> like, they, they sent people to the hospital. Huh. Well, let's just hope too many people get sick. Yeah. No, it's... Some places in the United States are getting really bad. El Paso, Texas, they have so many cases. Their hospitals are so overrun that they had to fly their patients to other hospitals. Like, like in the states or in other states? Well, I'm guessing mostly in Texas, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go to, like, New Mexico or something. I actually have no idea where where in Texas El Paso is. It's just that Texas is such a huge-ass state. Like, it might just be closer to, like, send them to New York. <laughs> in some cases. Yeah. But, the like, the one thing is, I don't think any state wants to bring in more coronavirus patients into their own hospitals. Well, contrary to popular belief and the belief of the President of the United States, it's not about red states or blue states. It's not about... Republicans or Democrats, it's about the United States. So it's easy to do the city numbers, but like the whole country is affected. You don't deal with COVID until the rest of the country is done with COVID. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and Bolo, you also want to go on about know. international corona news? Yep, go for it. All right, Europe right now isn't uh, doing too well either. Germany and France finally put in place again a four-week lockdown starting this week, which is the week of Wednesday the 28th. So, yeah. So Halloween is officially canceled there. What is canceled? Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, Halloween is canceled. Although I feel like Halloween over there was never quite as big as it was here in the U.S. That's true, but still... (laughs) Yeah. In addition to that, a lot of countries such as Spain and Italy are putting measures back in place to reduce the sudden growth of corona cases because, yeah, things are coming back and it's not that great, but it's happening, so countries got to do what they can. Yeah. I don't know. This whole thing is kind of depressing. And here's the thing. It's not... It's it's frustrating like, Noah is going to know this firsthand of how frustrating, like, all this COVID stuff is going to be. <sighs> this is not going to be me complaining about, like, oh, it'd be nice to go to places. No, it's like, Noah's stuck. Yeah. So it's really frustrating for everyone involved. It's frustrating. And this is not going to be over but like, anytime soon. You, you got to deal with it or else, you know what happens? People will die from it. And, uh... Usually it's the people who you want to protect the most that are the most likely to die. Because it's those who have those pre-existing medical conditions who are extremely vulnerable. And even a lot of really healthy people can be affected by it quite badly. Say this episode hits, what, an hour? Approximately around, I want to say 360 people will die as you're listening to the podcast. Of coronavirus in the United States only. Yeah, so you know what that means? You should probably just stop this episode right now so you stop the people dying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Um, although, it is for a... our numbers, please do keep on listening. Listener retention is a really important statistic. Yes, please keep listening and please keep sharing with your friends. But on a serious note, it is a civic responsibility that you do to make sure that you keep yourself your family, and your friends safe from a deadly pandemic. And to do so, well, just in general, you should always make sure you don't get other people sick. But, like, especially right now, there is no cures 
There is no effective remedies. There's no vaccine coming until earliest, like, January, February 2021. And before it's available to people in general, it'll be, like, in the summer. Oh, I'll just put it simply. Right now, the only solution we have to stop the curve is to quarantine. And you know what really sucks? Being stuck somewhere for two weeks with nothing better to do than just dealing with whatever you have in that room, okay? So, like... Wear a mask and be careful, because otherwise you're going to have to quarantine, and then if you have to quarantine, you'll go stir-crazy, and that's it. Yeah, that's all I really have to say. I kind of don't want to talk about this any longer. You're reminding me of my predicament. (laughs) Okay, this is day one. All right, we'll move on to our next topic, which is also another civic duty that everyone holds a responsibility to do, and that is voting. You've already heard it before. Have I expressed my hatred for hearing about voting all the time yet? (laughs) Yes. Well, this will be... This episode should come out, like, November 1st. So, it will be the last specific podcast about voting. The next podcast will probably be about the results, or the one after that will be about the results. But, yes. So, so, yeah. Voting matters. And 70 million people have casted their ballots so far. This will be your last reminder in the next four years. Yes. Oh, by the time this comes out, you can't vote by mail anymore, except for a couple states. But it it is easier and safer. Not safer. It is easier to just vote in person. And looking at the demographics of the people who listen to this podcast, since they tend to be young, in all likelihood, you will be safe if you vote in person. Especially since most election places have are following CDC protocol, keeping everything clean, wiping down surfaces, limiting capacity. At least we can hope. But yeah, se- <laughs> we can hope. 70 million people have casted their ballots so far. Just for reference, 140 million people voted in 2016. So 70 million, that's half. The, the amount of people who voted early... Uh, last election cycle in 2016 was about 30 million. So over a 100% increase in a number of votes. Yeah, doubled. And early voting is not done. As these numbers come in from Wednesday. So by by Sunday, by Monday, there's still like another like five days to go of early voting. Do you know what this unfortunately Um, means? What? That telling people to constantly vote just the endless hey you should vote going to people is working and that means that you'll probably see the exact same thing in the next four years oh yes every no you're gonna see it in two years for midterms oh vote in every election anyways if you're in georgia you're gonna have runoff elections so see you in december or january whenever you guys do it to be honest i'm just as tired of hearing about voting as i am to hear about coronavirus Yes, but there's still some more stuff about about the elections. The Supreme Court had three major rulings on the elections this past week. One in Wisconsin where they said that your ballot must be received by November 3rd or it will not be accepted. That was a five to three decision. And then there was another two decisions today that said Pennsylvania, as long as it gets within... As long as you mailed it in on November 3rd and it gets in within nine days, Pennsylvania and one other state that I forgot, they will count your they will count your ballot. And although it's concerning that a lot of the people who are against this on the Supreme Court, like Justice Samuel Alito, has said that the only people who should make decisions on the law is state legislatures, which if you know anything about modern democracies no we never give a single body the power to decide the laws and it's very concerning that the supreme court is trying to say don't listen to your to state supreme courts don't listen to your courts at least one justice in there and speaking of supreme court justices in a 52 to 48 party line vote the United States has officially declared that Amy Coney Barrett will be the new Supreme Court justice. You know, a very popular judge in that she says that your religion 
should in shape your view of the world and that like laws and morality at least religious mor- morality are similar so that's deeply concerning and now the republicans have nominated a solidly conservative supreme court 6 to 3 mind you Five of those Supreme Court justices who have been elected by people who did not win the popular vote. Hmm. <laughs> you know what I gotta say? The U.S. is fucked. Uh, that's all. I think that's all our feelings about the elections, COVID, 2020. <laughs> Just that. Uh, you know... I kind of want to change the topic because I'm just like suddenly lost all my energy. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. Let's get that energy back. Let's just take a small break. All right. Hey, guys, we're back. And you know what? I've got energy because we're going to talk about the French national pastime. And I'm French, so I can tell you this. We're going to talk about protesting. <laughs> <laughs> really going in on those stereotypes. Well, I don't know. That's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling French today. And uh, you know what we say? Uh, the French people love to protest because we are never happy with whatever's going on. I mean, go for it. Okay, okay. Well, let's see. There are a bunch of protests going on in Europe and also a bunch in Africa, I believe. Anywhere else where there are protests? Yes. In the United States. And Chile. Um, yes. Let me get the list of protests in Africa down. We're not going to talk about them because I don't have as much information. We might mention them next week or we'll talk about it on like Instagram. But yes, there is protests in Congo. Hashtag Congo is bleeding. In Namibia, hashtag shut it all down. South Africa, hashtag am I next. Cameroon, hashtag anglophone crisis. Liberia, hashtag rape national emergency. Ivory Coast and Ghana, hashtag child trafficking. Damn. And also, the one that we are actually going to mention a bit, Nigeria, hashtag NSARS. And not the disease. So those are just the Africa ones. <laughs> not the disease, no. I for, special anti-robbery squad. Yes. <sighs> so those are the Africa ones. You want me to go for Europe? Do you want to list them and then we'll go we'll go into them? All right. So I'm going to first of all mention protests in Belarus after a election that is believed to have been falsified. And also there is protests in Poland that have to do with new abortion laws. More like no more abortion laws. Hopefully that won't happen in the U.S. <laughs> Amy Coney Barrett's red dream. <laughs> but yeah, so a little but more yeah. details on Belarus. Oh, let's go to let's go to Nigeria okay. first. So last week we talked about the SARS crisis, which is basically the special police force that's supposed to fight robbery and stuff, but have been targeting young men specifically who have tattoos, who have a phone, who have a laptop, you know. Things normal people have all the time, and they've been targeting them, and there's been no repercussions. And protests broke out, attacking the, the SARS unit. And we talked about President Bahari's uh, response to it, which was lackluster. And as they were protesting, the Nigerian military came down and shot at protesters. Last week, we talked about the state death toll was set at 14. I was very skeptical of that number. Now, Nigeria says the official death toll for the total protest is 70. Still skeptical of that number, but still that's a lot higher and 70 people died in Nigeria over over protesting police brutality. Fun. (sighs) Not really. Yeah. So that's Nigeria. Do you want to go Belarus? All right, Belarus. Actually... The issues in Belarus have been going on for a while, and I'm kind of disappointed we didn't say anything about it till now. But basically, the president is more like a dictator, and basically, I think he... He's famously known as the last dictator of Europe. Yeah, but basically, there was supposed to be an election that was democratic happening, and it seems like the majority of people voted for the opposition, and it was clearly a known fact that uh, the opposition was supposed to win the election. But in the end, they just said, nope, they didn't win. 
I'm still your uh, president, and that's how it's gonna be. And uh, now everybody's mad, and people are protesting. And like a week ago, I think they finally announced, we're gonna go on a national strike, and everyone's gonna stop working, and they're gonna destroy the economy of the country. Because what better way to make your government stop being bad than telling your government, fuck you, we're not gonna make you any more money. Also, a little bit of background for this. So the elections, the election process has been going on for a while, and I apologize, this is gonna be very confusing in that I don't know the names of the people, because... I'm a dumb American and their names are s complicated. <laughs> but so the pre so the president of Belarus they they were running this election, he jailed his main opposition leader uh, who was running for for president. And his wife, the wife of the opposition leader, she became the new leader and she ran for for presidency. But as the elections were were about to start, the Belarusian president basically sent her into hiding and made her basically do, you know those hostage tape videos? It's like, I'm being well taken care of, please meet these demands, blah, 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 blah. They basically made her do that. And like there was a, a confusion there. And as people were going to vote, the first day that the elections happened, right? The only day that they, the elections can happen, people were told that they had already voted. And mind you, this guy who's been super unpopular they say he won by won seventy percent of the popular vote, which was clearly bullshit. And he thought he would get away with it, and hopefully he does not. Huh. Yeah, but it's a complicated geopolitical issue. Russia's involved. The EU's involved. And we also know that it, the EU and Russia are certainly not friends. Yeah, they're on opposite sides of this because Russia wants to keep the current president in because he's a Belarus is essentially a satellite state of the soviet union a puppet state although belarus is not, not part union, of sorry, the eu of russia belarus is not part of the but eu still, but because they're neighbors yeah. they have a lot of ties together so that gets very complicated okay you want to talk about the other european protests yes poland okay so, so poland yeah so i think they recently passed a law which it was not a law it was a supreme court decision <laughs> yes but basically poland is known for being a very very religious country super and abortion over there was are, was already basically impossible to start with they did have abortion though to help like for example with health issues and rape and other unfortunate situations where you'd hope they allow for abortion but it seems like some new rulings or new decisions by Supreme Court limits abortion even more. So basically, completely limits access to abortion, even for medical reasons, which a lot of people are quite angry about. Yeah, so essentially, near total abortion ban essentially doesn't allow, doesn't really allow for medical cases of an abortion except if it causes an immediate like risk to the woman but if say the fetus is non-viable they would still have to carry that to term and that's is a lot riskier than just having the abortion earlier on so now the only ways you can get an abortion is only in cases of rape incest or immediate like a health risk and, uh, well, people now are protesting against the churches, not just the government, because it seems like the church in Poland has a large political influence. Yes. It's also because the government in Poland is... How do I say this nicely? They're certainly not secular. They're also very authoritarian. Mm -hmm. They're they're quasi-fascist in the, in the sense that, like, they've been taking over the courts. So when I... When we were arguing about whether this is a law or this is a court thing, it's prime minister over there, right? It's the prime minister's decision, essentially, because he runs he runs the show for both the courts and and the government there. So it, it's a lack of democracy. It's minority rule. All those things are involved in the decision to to shut down abortion. Yeah, imagine having a bunch of random people being able to say, No, you can't decide what to do with your body. We now control your body for you. U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, yeah, I know. Half of Congress. Half of states in the United States. Yeah, who cares about individual rights anyways? The party of so-called libertarianism. <sighs> okay. 
Yeah, no, this this stuff annoys me so much. But yeah, right. I'm gonna just say it here. I, know I certainly uh, support the people of Poland protesting against this. And also partially because yeah. as a French person, and this is gonna come up in a little bit, but a secular state is quite a big deal, at least for me. Alright, we're I'm gonna change the order of our outline here. I'm gonna talk about Philly. Mm. So in Philadelphia, once again, well not once again in the United States, police officer has shot has shot someone who did not commit a crime, who's innocent by all accounts. Although in this case he was not unarmed, he was he was holding a knife. Walter Wallace Jr. Now, mind you, he was not posing a threat to anyone. People were just worried that he had a knife around and he was like waving it around a parking lot. And in the 911 call, it was explained that he was mentally ill. He is he has bipolar. So it was someone who was not in the right state of mind. And the police approached him with guns. There was no attempt to de-escalate. In fact, uh, on the cell phone video, because they didn't release the body cam footage, the mom is pleading, explaining he's he's not okay, he's he's not violent, he's just he's just has a he has a he's having a breakdown, and she pleads to the police officers, "Don't shoot, don't shoot." So naturally, the police officers, given the information that he's mentally ill, he doesn't pose a threat to people he mostly poses a threat to himself he the police officers decide to shoot him he dies of his wounds at a at a local hospital and now this city is demanding justice the body cam videos have not been released but we do have a cell phone video of the incident the police officers were not carrying a taser which i don't know seems to be like standard gear you think police officer Badge, gun, taser, and uh, handcuffs. But they were not carrying tasers. They made no effort to de-escalate the situation. And mind you, Walter Wallace, he has his mental health issues. Lots of people have mental health issues. Mental health issues is not a death sentence. It should not be a death sentence. And there needs to be resources to address people with mental health issues. Especially because some of them, many of them, most of them, are productive members of society. Most of them have lead normal lives. They have jobs. They have families. In fact, Walter Wallace Jr., he was expecting a child. He had a wife. He had a caring mom. And he was shot down. He, he was shot down. It was explained to the officers he was not a threat. He was just going for a break. <sighs> And protests have broken out in Philly and multiple cities in the United States. New York City, in fact, NYPD arrested 30 people for protesting the other day. And I don't know. It's frustrating. Ugh. Why does anything we talk about that has to do with America always end up being depressing? <laughs> because, Noah, we want America to do better. It's true. If we don't bring the problems up, who's going to address them? Yeah. When we bring problems up, it's because we expect things for that to not to happen. If you tell me what's Bashar al-Assad shot down civilians, that's not new. It is sad. It is depressing. But it's not news. You expect that from a totalitarian regime that has no regard for human life. But when it comes to the United States or Europe or whatever, you expect better. We expect better. That's why we talk about it. And in fact... When people protest and people make social change, things can happen. Our next, our next example here is Chile. Chile has some good news coming. It's like protests actually <laughs> yes. doing what they're supposed to do. And I love it. Yes. I mean, protests have been working. It's not, it's not always constant. It's not always dramatic. But they, they are But like... And in Chile... A referendum. It's finally happening. Yes. So in Chile, the government in Chile decided to raise bus prices in the country. But Chile has a, pro a massive income inequality problem. So while it seemed a four cent change was not a 
big overall in the sensitive word. But for many people in Chile, that that is a lot. That is a burden that they cannot bear, especially when the government doesn't seem to tax appropriately. When 70% of the wealth is controlled by 5% of the population. So people in Chile protested. They protested the government. They protested their constitution, which was written by a dictator, uh, Pinochet. I forgot his, his first name, but uh, Pinochet. Hey, wasn't that the guy who was put as a dictator by the U.S. government? Yes, Reagan helped him get into power in the 19. 19- yeah, that's 80s. a rant for later. The United States is just yes. like those. The United fun States facts. put a dictator who killed. Yeah, the United States put a dictator, tens of thousands of Chileans, uh, and yeah, we. Did Y'all that. should learn about but banana republics. Constitu- okay, uh, keep on going. Yeah, but yes, so the constitution was written in Pinochet's era, and Pinochet his regime ended in the 1990s, and they were using that same constitution. So now. They are having a constitutional convention. They are working on a new, fairer constitution that will be voted on by the people in the coming months. I love to see it. I just love to see it. That is protest, advocacy, and democracy working as it should. You see, taking the streets does work. Yes. Now we're back to more depressing news. No. <laughs> you want to talk about this? This is your country. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay, so also another little bit of news that I kind of regret not having mentioned any time earlier, but uh, have you guys heard of that beheading of a French teacher in France? Oh, it's lovely news, I know. His student, uh, a a teacher in France, basically was doing a lecture in which he had a caricature of Mohammed in it, and here's something interesting, I think in... Islam, or at least in general Muslim religion, you're not supposed to depict the Prophet Muhammad. It is considered to be extremely disrespectful. But Yeah, it's taboo. Yeah. But also France is a very much secular country, so anything involving religion they kinda don't care about from a political standpoint. So anything that's also run by the government, which does include public schools and the education system. They kind of keep anything that has to do with religion not out of it, but they kind of just do the opposite of promoting religion and kind of say, oh, yeah, religion exists, but we don't really care about how it influences us. Um, Religion, I I think France is a little bit more complicated in the fact that, so if the U.S. is a very pro-religious country, if you swear on the Bible, in in God we trust is, is the thing. France is like the anti-America. Uh, basically, I'll put it this way. A religion is something that only exists from a personal standpoint and does not exist in a public standpoint. Whatever you do, you have the right to practice religion, as you do, but you're not allowed to bring it out into public, anything that has to do with, like, the government or public services. Yeah. Well, even even public spaces, because in France, it's more like religion ends at, at your front door or at the front door of whatever religious institution you follow. Yeah. And this is true for, for Islam, Judaism, Christianity. Yeah. And in France, we call it, which is the term used, is there a proper English equivalent? Separation between church and state. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. But in France, it's taken very seriously. And so... The reason why... Some would say too seriously. True. There's a lot of issues that comes with that, and it usually comes from a more Muslim point of view, because I guess they're the religion that seems to have the most cracking down. Yeah, I mean, you have the burqa bans, you have the burkini bans, there was this thing about, like, the pork thing. There's a lot of... There's a lot of ones that seems to specifically affect Islam. But it's... In general, they do that to every religion. Yeah. But basically, there's this whole thing in France. And that's also why in religion, they are not afraid of doing anything that's considered taboo religiously. Because they don't... Supposedly, the French government does not care about a religious point of view when it comes to something that's considered to be a public service, which is education. So, a professor, of course, introduced that caricature of Muhammad and... It is believed that one of his students got very angry over it to the point that he beheaded his teacher. 
He didn't. He, it wasn't a student. It was he told someone about it, and that utter random stranger like beheaded the teacher. Okay, well, thank you for the correction. But basically, someone got beheaded over doing their public service of education. At least that's the point of view many French people have on this situation. Now, because it was they were showing a caricature of Muhammad, so a lot of the Muslim countries have protested, uh, protested that it's like, why, why are you essentially violating our, our like our religion? They, they, they just feel like they're being disrespected. But at the same time, now France, the French people, are supporting the government in trying to denounce this act, which has been considered to be domestic terrorism, because the French people certainly believe that it is their way of life, and it is their right to keep religion out of government. Yeah. And, I don't know, the situation in France is complicated, but it's interesting to see Turkey's president... Erdogan. Erdogan. Erdogan? It's er- Erdogan is how you say it. It's spelled Erdogan, but it's Erdogan is how you say it. Okay, yeah. The Turkish president denounced and asked for a boycott of all French products because basically, you know what we can do? We could just try to destroy France economically because, of course, in the end, it's all about economics. Yes. Uh, but he also called Macron mentally deranged. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, Macron is the French president, Emmanuel Macron. Yep. <laughs> he's a French president. So... I don't think he's mentally deranged. I just think he's doing what he's supposed to do as a French president, which is uh, protect our rights as French people. I just think France and... Like, I understand the horror that happened in France. Like, 100% that is not okay. It's like, they kind of push it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. It's being pushed a lot. and Like, I, I, I think it, to the point it's like... I get you, and I understand where you're coming from, but it's like, chill. Especially because France and is uh, France and Muslims do not have a good reputation. Like, in the, and I don't mean like in the like on the high laicite thing. I'm talking about just like police interactions with with Arab people, general racism towards um, towards Muslims. So the, there is a lot of things going on in France. And I don't think the current rhetoric helps it. No, certainly not. But this is just a very interesting perspective of a major political issue within a specific foreign country and also how it plays out now on a global scale. I mean, Turkey's getting itself in hot water with... It's it's still trying to join the EU, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, Turkey is going backwards from... Actually... The anti anti Francis Turkey, because <laughs> uh, Turkey was a um, secular. That was the word I was looking for earlier. Turkey was a very se- secular state under Atatürk. Atatürk. He was he was their former like dictator, and he turned Turkey into a very secular country. And Erdogan, who gained power in like. T- early 2000s he's been reversing that a lot so turkey's becoming more religious in that sense so for turkey there's like there are cultural reasons why they're supporting this and it's also it's a placement of like it's a geopolitical placement and that turkey really wants recently no longer wants to be associated with EU foreign policy, US foreign policy, because they're allies with the EU and the US. But at the same time, they don't want to be completely with with Russia because they're having issues in Azerbaijan and Armenia. So it's very complicated geopolitically. Oh, I believe it. And it's a mess. And I think we should take another break. Okay. And we're back. And we're going to start talking about tech. And... Tech policy. Government and tech. Basically, the proper intersect of politics and are also in our interest in just tech in general. Because let's be honest, tech is cool. Yes. Now, following last week's uh, debacle with a Washington Post story, a questionable Washington Post story that alleges some improper business dealings between Joe Biden and... Hunter Biden and 
some Ukrainian prosecutor, which has no basis in fact, in the sense that the reporter whose name says that he wrote the report doesn't want his name on there anymore. The fact that it's being investigated by the FBI as a as a foreign intervention campaign by Russia, possibly. Anyways, when that story came out, Facebook and Twitter, they suppressed the story. Inf- they wouldn't let it be widely shared. Twitter also is like, uh, enact a new policy. It's like, read, read the news article before you share it. And there's just like, we want to make sure we get our facts straight about this story before reporting it widely. And oh my God, did everyone get mad. The FCC, a committee that says it has the power to rule, to make no like rules or regulation under uh, this new Republican administration, says they are going to regulate speech on social media. Wait, what? (laughs) Wait. Yes. What? (laughs) Yeah. Ajit Pai, the chairman of the FCC, the shit Pai, yeah, said, <laughs> "Yes, okay, sorry." Said that what they did was so bad <laughs> that, uh, like, what Twitter and Facebook did was so bad that they are going to start regulating speech and moderation on on these platforms. Mind you, Ajit Pai doesn't think that you can regulate internet speeds or access to nine one one on cellular networks or on the internet. He doesn't think he should regulate access to the internet. But he says the FCC has in its authority to regulate speech. You think you're just kind of calling favors right now? Yes. Ugh. And main part, main part is not the FCC story because that's complete bullshit. <laughs> then Congress, by Congress, I mean the U.S. Senate controlled by Republicans, demanded... A, a committee hearing on on Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which I will define later. They demanded Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEOs of Twitter and Facebook, respectively, and Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, they demanded that they come to Congress, well, video call to Congress, and answer why are they censoring a dubious article of questionable fact? But it happened to criticize their opponent. They demanded that they come down and testify. In fact, in an argument that Twitter restricts First Amendment rights of free speech, Ted Cruz, our favorite senator of Texas, posted a Photoshop, like a graphic, of him and Zach Dorsey in a boxing ring about to debate on Twitter. It's, f- it's funny how they have the right to say stuff like that and they don't get regulated. But yes, they had this meeting over Section 230. Okay, let me define it now. Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act essentially allows the internet to exist. Without, without it, it would just not be possible to run any sort of website that has users create content. So no YouTube, no Facebook, Twitter, etc., etc. So, what the, what the law actually states, mind you, this was written in the 1990s, so we're not trying to be constitutional lawyers or whatever, so you can actually understand this. No, uh, the first part that's important is no provider or user of an interactive computer service, website, or social media shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider, i.e. users. Mm-hmm. And-, and the second part that makes this important, any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of material that the provider or user considers to be obscene, lewd, lascivious, I don't know how to say that word, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, 
whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. So that means if the website decides that whatever is posted violates their terms of service, they just don't find it, it fits in their platform. It doesn't matter if it's protected under First Amendment rights or not, that they can do so, and they do not have to face civil liability over it. Hmm. It's, it's simple. Well, that's... Private companies get to make First Amendment-ish, don't have to follow the First Amendment. Yeah, but it, also it's like it allows companies to control what's going on on their own platform. Yes, that's how, that's how companies can get rid of porn. That's how they get rid of hate speech. That's how they get rid of white supremacists. Which also, to some extent, makes sense because technically a company's platform is also their own property. Yes. Like, if Facebook was full of white supremacists, I wouldn't... I mean, they are. But if I have to... If there is no way of controlling white supremacy content on Facebook, I would never use it. Because at some point, there's a limit of how many racial epithets I will tolerate. By the way, it's zero. I tolerate zero. <laughs> but <laughs> just to make the point. So they had a whole meeting over it. A panel over it. Now, there was some funny issues where Mark Zuckerberg couldn't connect to the call. You know, you run one of the la largest companies in the world that's all based on the web and you're having internet issues. Ted Cruz had a bunch of random questions half of which were wrong, or factually wrong. Not to say that it was just Ted Cruz. The Republican Party in general are focused on this idea that conservatives are being censored. You can't hear conservatives speak. They're censored, Noah. Are they, though? Even though their posts are shared 20% more than, than their uh, left-leaning competitors. <sighs> Just because as a share of Twitter and Facebook, they compute a minority, yet they're responsible for half the engagement. So are they really a minority? They're being censored. Yeah, they're, they're only about, of what, 30% of users for both, uh, for both companies. Oh. They're being censored, Noah. <laughs> <sighs> um, also... I forgot who asked this, which rich Republican senator asked this. He asked, what is the political affiliations of your staff? All of them. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to know what percentage are, are conservative, what cons what uh, what percentage are liberal. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't it normally, don't, don't companies normally avoid asking anything about employees' political leanings because that could be considered to be an issue? Yes, they don't ask that. <laughs> They're not supposed to, because... They wouldn't know, either. Yeah, a, a company's not supposed to have any preference for a specific religion. They cannot judge people based on their religion. Let alone their political beliefs. Uh, I meant politics. I don't know why religion suddenly jumped in. But yes, it's also the case for religion. <laughs> Sorry, my brain just, like, going... Yeah, no. <laughs> it's insane. But yeah. It's McCarthyism. It's, it's, so this is the Senate Un-American Community, uh, whatever. Um, how many communists are in the State Department? How many communists are in Facebook? <laughs> what is this bullshit? Uh, and mind you, it, it's not to say, like, Republicans were the only ones talking. Actually, they were mostly talking because a lot of Democrats just didn't show up to the meeting. Because all of this is about politics, because the elections are coming up next week. The Senate's not voting on anything. Mitch McConnell's like, we added a new Supreme Court justice. Peace out. You guys need coronavirus aid? Not my problem. <laughs> so n nothing is tangibly going to happen. And the few Democrats that were there, they were just asking, it's like, why don't you curb misinformation more? Why don't you do this? Why don't? Which are all valid concerns, but it's like, what is the point of having this one week before an election? It's for show. You bring in those big, fancy companies <laughs> that everyone knows about, flex your power on them, and uh, show people, hey, we're the government, and we can do that. Also, it'd be really nice that people can say Sundar Pichai's name correctly. Like, come on. 
He's the CEO of Alphabet. You've had him testify like four times already to Congress. Learn his fucking name. But that's work. <sighs> so it's kind of like people's like, I can't say Kamala Harris's name right. Kamala, it's not that hard. <sighs> yep. Politics are all over the place. And so is... Uh... I mean, the CEOs were kind of stupid too. Yeah. There's a lot of issues with tech companies and politics, but I think I've already mentioned this before. What I really think needs to be done is to update um, a lot of policy and law related to anything that has to do with this tech, because the issue is we are running on a constitution that was written in the 1700s. 1787. Yeah, well, end of the 1700s, but basically... The, the the politics we have, the, the government system we have, and the policy we have has not updated fast enough to adapt with the changing world we have, especially in the realm of new technology and the internet. But it's this talk of... Okay, let me talk about what Jack Dorsey said uh, and finish. Jack Dorsey said that he doesn't think Twitter has an effect on politics, which is bullshit. <laughs> But whatever. I mean, I mean, and um, the Twitter Mark Zuckerberg itself is like, we do enough. wouldn't have an impact. But the fact that its platform is a place where people can communicate their beliefs, yes, it certainly means that the platform has an impact on politics. But it's this talk of wanting to repeal Section Two Thirty, and this is coming from both. Biden says he wants to repeal Section Two Thirty. It's like. A, Section 230 is just written outright because there was a bunch of Supreme Court cases and they were conflicting with each other. So they made a law to establish a thing. And also, they are private companies. They can decide what they want, what they don't want. If Anchor or Spotify doesn't want our podcast, they can take it out. Now, I don't know why they would do that because we're such a great podcast, which you should listen and follow. But like... It is a private company. They are not governments. If anything, repealing Section 230 solidifies Facebook and Twitter as duopoly. Or however many social media companies you want to count. Because those are the only companies at that scale that can manage Section 230. If you repeal it, Reddit cannot exist. Because Reddit does not have the money that it would take to hire a whole legal compliance team to fix it. Hell, I don't think Twitter has the money to fix it. And Facebook? Facebook definitely has the okay. money to fix it. But uh, can they fix everything <laughs> beyond Facebook? There's also Instagram. They can. They have the money for it. Facebook is worth, like, what, $800 billion? Like, they, they can find the money somehow. In general, a lot of but small like... social media platforms that are existing, and there's actually a lot out there. Snapchat um, would be dead. They don't... TikTok maybe could survive just because ByteDance is a big company. And also because now they're backed by two U.S. companies. Eh, no, that didn't go anywhere. Fun fact, the bans for WeChat and TikTok are just in court right now because nothing Trump does ever works. So actually, that never (laughs) went through. We should have maybe mentioned that before. Another fun tech tidbit for you guys. TikTok is still going nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> and WeChat is not banned yet. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is this is pure politics made by a desperate party desperate to make a point. <sighs> and it's a sad. And I'm I'm done with this. I'm done with Congress. Alright. There isn't much else to talk about. I mean Oh, we do have like one or two little tech things to mention. I know I've mentioned NVIDIA a lot before, the big graphics card company based in the U.S. Well, their competitor, AMD, is uh, going to finally release a new line of products that's supposed to compete with uh, the products they have released a month ago. And uh, we'll see how that goes. While the general information we have on this new line of products, which is supposed to be the Radeon 6000 series of graphics cards seems quite promising and does seem to compete with the 30 series 
personally, I don't really like to say much about it until I get official benchmarks, not from the company itself, but from other sources. Yeah. And honestly, that's all the news we have. This episode kind of ran long, but thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate the support. Like and follow us on social media. Keep Noah company. Yeah, uh, message it's be us. A hard two weeks for him. Keep me company yeah, while I'm in quarantine. Yeah, it's gonna be rough for him. So keep him company. I'm gonna just be and running five k's in my room, doing going back and forth. Yeah, no, that's scary. Yeah, uh, I'll go crazy. That's how it goes. And and lastly, vote and protect yourself from COVID. Yeah. Right. Um. Peace out. Y'all have a good one. <laughs>